Matthew 28, reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We have one on the screen. But if you have one, turn over there and go with me manually this morning. Matthew 28, verse 1. The Bible reads like this, says, Now after the Sabbath, you want to know why we worship on Sunday? This is it right here. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb to see And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards shook for fear because of him because and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come and see the place where the the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples the word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, today we claim the harvest. We claim today, Lord, that there are people who will hear the gospel and respond to it in faith. Lord, today let lives be snatched out of darkness and be brought into light. Lord, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Good morning, everybody. One more time. Good morning. We're excited that you're here. I would like to ask everybody to just hold tight. Give me your undivided attention for the next few moments because I'm about to tell you the greatest story that's ever been told. I don't have an elaborate message title this morning or anything like that. I just simply want to talk to you about the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've been tracking with us over the last few weeks, I've actually been in a sermon series. I've been teaching through uh, very systematically on the road that led to Calvary today, the day that we're going to look at. And, And we looked at Gethsemane's cup, how Christ drank the cup of our wrath on the cross. And surely we're going to hear about that a little bit more in great detail this morning. Then we looked at the, the, the great um, courtroom scene, and I asked a question last week, a resounding question, what will you do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And it was from that moment that we began to see Jesus marched through and down to the cross where he would be hung between two thieves. It's the morning that we, that we celebrate today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as Matthew chapter 28 tells us, that the women came there and found to their dismay that Christ was not there, but he had risen from the dead. Now this morning, we are going to take a journey And we're going to talk about this Jesus because as we read in Matthew chapter 28, what we see is that the angel says, we know that you've come to seek Jesus. He is not here. This morning, I want to attempt in just a few simple points to answer the question, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Why is he a big deal? Why did he come? And why is it important to us? This morning, I want to answer that question in something that I've called the simple 
gospel. Uh, This morning, as we walk along in this journey together, the very first thing, I want you to just track with me this morning, the very first thing that I want to share with you is simply this, Jesus came. Everybody say, Jesus came. It's a very simple thing. He came. Now, the very fact that Jesus came, and he came uh, in the manger, we celebrate this at Christmas time, asks us the question, it begs of us to answer the question, since Jesus came, why did he come? Why did he come? Why is it a big deal? For many people, Christmas is simply about trees and lights, snowmen, reindeer, and presents. But the truth is that Jesus' coming was very significant. Now, if you would allow me to just go through the portals of history this morning and share with you the simple gospel truth, here's what happened. Long, long time ago at creation, God created the heavens and he created the earth and he created man to have fellowship with him in six days and on the seventh day, God rested. He, he told Adam after he formed him and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply, he gave him a big garden to fellowship in. But because of the fall of the angels, Lucifer, who was God's arch enemy, uh, at that, he was an angel, created to be an angel, became God's arch enemy. He tempted Eve and said, if you eat of the forbidden fruit, what God had told them not to eat of, he said, you'll have your eyes open, you'll be uh, privy to sin and what good and evil is, and you'll be like God. And Adam and Eve transgressed in the garden. And at that moment, man and woman were perfectly in union with God. But this one act of disobedience caused a separation between Adam and Eve and God. And now all of a sudden, they're hiding themselves. And they cannot seem to find their connection with God. Adam, where he once walked in fellowship, is now walking, hidden away, afraid in a bad way of the presence of God. And now we see that from that moment, God killed an animal and covered them with animal skin. It's a beautiful picture. Adam had tried to do the job with his own fig leaves. And isn't that like us in humanity? We always try to cover our own selves. We always try to help our own selves. But God said that, uh, Adam, listen, fig leaves are not going to get it this time, bud. We had to kill an animal. And so God came back with perfect skin to cover their naked bodies. Now, at that moment in history, man began to, by divine providence of God, have to offer a sacrifice for sin. And so what we see is is that throughout the Old Testament, we got people like Malachi and and Elijah who are prophets. And then we have uh, Ezekiel and and, and Isaiah and all these different ones. God instituted sacrifices way back in the law of Moses and said, the soul that sins, it shall die. And so in order to get back right with God, a sacrifice had to be made. And they would take a a, a firstborn of their flock, a, a male, a lamb, and it had to be spotless and without blemish. In other words, there were people who would try to get over on God and they would give a blind lamb or one with a broke leg or one that was all spotted up that you couldn't sell at the market real good. But God said, no, I don't want that one. I want the perfect lamb. And so this was the pattern throughout human history up until the book of Malachi. The last book of the Old Testament is animal sacrifices. And, and but what, what happens, though, is that the prophets prophesied down through history that God would send a lamb that would come to take away the sin of the world. His name would be called Jesus. 
So we see that Jesus came. And here's how it goes. Something like this. God looks down through history. And he sees a young woman by the name of Mary. Mary was an upright woman. She was holy in the sight of God. The Bible says she was a virgin. She was pure. She was without uh, ever having intimacy with with the man. She was completely pure. She was engaged to a man named Joseph. And all of a sudden, an angel came to Mary and said, Woman, you are highly favored by God. You are going to give birth to a son. And Mary said, How will this be, seeing that I've never known a man? And he said, The power of the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you, and you shall give birth to a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. That's what happened. And Mary said, nevertheless, according to your word. And at that moment, the divine conception of God happened. And God was born through human flesh. And Mary carried Jesus for nine months. You say, what's the importance of that, Pastor? Well, I told you that the lamb had to be perfect. And so because there was no connection with the earthly bloodline of a father, the inherent sin nature was not passed down to Jesus. So he was born through the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem's manger. It was such a significant scene because the Bible says that some angels visited some lowly shepherds in a field in Bethlehem and said, this day a sign shall be given unto you. You shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And at that moment, the shepherds knew that they, the Lamb of God had come. So Jesus came into this world. Have to ask ourselves, why did he come? He came, my friends, because you and I needed a Savior. You may not know it, but you and I needed a Savior. Our sinfulness was in the face of God. Just like Adam and Eve, we were disconnected without fellowship, without relationship. And God needed to give us relationship. And so he did the unspeakable. He caused his son Jesus to be born through human flesh. And he came to this earth. You see, you and I celebrate Christmas with this great significance. The fact that Jesus came into the world. And greatly, it should be celebrated. How many of you glad Jesus came? He came, the Bible says, as the Lamb of God. Mary and Joseph raised him and lived and he grew up and Not only did Jesus come, but the second thing, this is as equally important. Jesus not only came, but Jesus lived. Why is this important? This is important because Jesus came to identify with us. Uh, You see, in order for Jesus to die in our place, he had to identify with us. And so he came and he lived as a human. He lived in human flesh. The Bible says that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You see, there's some gods that people worship that have nothing to do in the likeness of who is worshiping them. But our God stepped out of heaven and got in human flesh and he lived and breathed as a man. So that he could identify with the pains of this world. He could identify with the sufferings of this world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He that was rich became poor. So that us through his poverty might become rich. Jesus stepped out of eternity down into time. And lived as you and I. What did he do when he was here? He constantly proved who he was. 
He came to the Jewish people. He gave them signs. He gave them omens. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He interrupted funeral processions. Everything that you can think of, Jesus did. He cast out devils. He saw the kingdom of God in manifestation. He multiplied the fishes and the loaves. He did all of these things with his finger. He stilled the storm that was raging over the Sea of Galilee. He did everything, and yet people still mocked him. They still rejected him. They still said that he was a fraud. Jesus suffered the woes of rejection. They turned on him. They blasphemed him. And they even tried to kill him. But we got to ask ourselves the question, why did Jesus live? Friends, Jesus lived so that he could identify with you and me. I'm thankful that when I pray to God through the blood of his son Jesus Christ and through that precious name, I'm glad that when I pray to him, I'm not praying to some celestial being on the other side of the universe who has no dealings with mankind. But yet God, what did he do? He came down and got in the middle of our mess. Just like Jesus stooped down and wrote in the sand with the woman caught in the act of adultery and put his finger in the dirt. God got in the dirt of all of us. Got down on our level. Friends, that's important for many reasons. Because Jesus understands what you're going through. He understands the agony of loss of a loved one. He understands the pain of rejection. He understands, um, he understands persecution. He understands all of those things. He is a sympathetic Savior. Jesus didn't just come, but he came and he lived among us. It's a beautiful thing. He lived a very purposeful life. I love the way Acts chapter 10 uh, Verse 38 uh, wraps this up and, and kind of brings it together. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I love the way John says it. For this cause was the Son of Man manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came down here to live as the God-man. 100% God and 100% man. He lived a perfect life. He lived a purposeful life. But my friends, that brings me to where we are today. Jesus didn't just come and Jesus didn't just live, but Jesus died. This singular event in human history shaped culture so much that every secular person has to acknowledge the fact that Jesus existed. You want to know why? Because all throughout time scholars secular atheists and none the like they divide time between these two segments BC and AD even the world has to recognize that Jesus lived and Jesus died my friends this was the first Black Friday in human history last week we heard about how Jesus was given up after they chose Barabbas. They chose to release a murderer rather than the son of the living God. And they said, crucify him. Let his blood be upon our children and our children's children. 
Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, took the cross and he walked towards Golgotha, that hill where Abraham sacrificed, went to sacrifice his son Isaac. It's that same place, the place of the skull. Jesus walked under the weight of the cross as as sweat glistened down his brow, ran down his beard. He walked with the weight of the cross as they whipped him and they scourged him and they mocked him. They said, if you be the son of God, why don't you save yourself? Doesn't the scripture say you can call on 10,000 angels? They mocked him so much. They took the thorns of an acacia bramble and they put it on his head as a crown of thorns. And they said, here you go. This suits you nicely. King of the Jews. On that day all of hell thought that they had won. I do not believe that hell knew what was coming in this moment. See sometimes I think that we give the Satan and his demons too much credit. As if he's omnipresent like God. He is absolutely not. He does not know all and he does not see all. I've got scripture to back it up this morning. The Bible says had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because what they didn't understand is that when they they crucified him. They put his body in the, in the ground like a seed and it multiplied. The Bible says that what the first Adam messed up, the last Adam, whom being Jesus, rectified. Jesus died. Here on the cross, his disciples, Peter, Mary, his mother, John, And the others, they stood in the shadows of the cross. They saw how Jesus was about to be killed. Beside him were two thieves. One of them, the Bible says, reviled him. The other one, the Bible says, they they mocked him. The other said, Lord, he doesn't deserve this. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus hung there on that Black Friday. On that Black Friday, suspended between heaven and earth, every lash, every wound, every ounce of pain that nailed Christ to the cross weighed upon him. There are several things that Jesus said As he was about to take his last breath. But of one of those things Jesus said I thirst. And they took a sponge with gall and vinegar. And they put it on a stick. And and they tried to shove it in his mouth. But Jesus wouldn't take it. And as they were reviling against him. And as those were accusing him of wrongdoing. What did Jesus do when he was on the cross? Several things stick out to my mind. First one is this. Jesus says father forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Oh what a merciful savior. That even when those who are doing him the most harm. He is thinking about their care. Some might even say Jesus was a mama's boy because before he took his last breath, he turned to John, his beloved disciple, and said, Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. He wanted to make sure that Mary was taken care of. Those Roman soldiers went up to break his legs because... Sundown was coming quickly and it was against the 
the law to have a body on the cross on the Sabbath day. They went to take a rod and to break his legs at the kneecaps. And, and the scripture re- records implicitly that they did not. Do you want to know why? Because long before there was ever a Roman guard, the Holy Spirit uttered under prophetic utterance that none of his bones would be broken. Knowing not why, he turned away. He turned away and just began to go. And what they did was they took his body down off of the cross. There was a wealthy man named Joseph of Arimathea. He said, I've got a couple of burial plots. In those days, a burial plot is not like here in our local cemeteries. It's not a mausoleum. There was a a, a hewn out place on the side of a mountain where the big stone would roll away into that entrance and they would take the bodies of their loved ones after they wrapped them and anointed them with spices. See, Jewish people didn't embalm, so there was no funeral three days, four days, five days later. You died and were buried on the same day. So they took Jesus' body after it was anointed. They laid it in a tomb. But I want to talk to you for a few moments about the death of our Messiah. Because all of hell laughed when they saw the Messiah hanging there. And oftentimes we talk about the spikes and the nails that went through his hands and went through his feet. Those are so significant. But I want you to know something, my friend. Uh, Jesus was hanging on that cross, naked and suspended between heaven and earth. And we talk about the nails from the Roman guards that they drove into his hands and his feet. But can I tell you something? More than the nails that were in his scarred hands, more than the nail that was driven through his feet, it was our sin that held him there. It was our sin and our iniquity and our guilt and our shame. It was the punishment that was due to us because of our sin against a holy God. It was the sin of the world that rested upon Christ. You see the Bible says there is none righteous. No, not even one. That on your best days you are as as filthy, unrighteous as a filthy rag, the Bible says. That without Christ being crucified and identified with his resurrection, you and I are unrighteous before God. And the reason why the cross was so gruesome and the reason why the cross was so horrendous and the reason why the cross is so vile is because he died in our place. You see, I want to submit to you, the Bible says I have been crucified with Christ. The reason why it's so significant this morning, because Jesus wasn't just on trial, my friend. We were on trial. Our sin, our guilt, our shame. Why do you think this morning we're so radical about this message? Why do you think we're so excited about this day? We are excited, my friend, because Jesus Christ stepped into eternity, down into time, lived as a perfect man, and died as a perfect sacrifice for you and for me. That's why we're so excited on this day. It's the day that hell got a rude awakening. Friday was black as they sealed the tomb because they did not want a scandal to break forth or for somebody to steal the body. 
They posted guards day and night to guard the tomb of Jesus. And as the dawn broke on Black Friday, it became as what people know as Silent Saturday. Didn't seem to be a whole lot happening in Jerusalem on Silent Saturday. It appeared that hell's plan was made perfect. For just a few moments, they thought that all was lost. As much as I would like to tell you that all of Jesus' disciples were men and women of faith and power, that wasn't necessarily the case. Peter, the great fisherman, who by trade brought in fish, he decided to go back fishing. Because when you're discouraged and you're out of sorts with God, the very natural thing to do is go back to what you're used to. And Peter went back to the banks of fishing. And Thomas, whom we've called the doubter, he doesn't believe anything. Because after all, we've never seen anything quite like this. Saturday was silent as the world looked on. The Roman guards were there guarding the tomb of Jesus. But what they did not know was what happened between the cross and the empty tomb. The Bible says that he that ascended into heaven first also descended into the lower parts of the earth. See, before Jesus died, when you were righteous, when you believed in God, when you worshipped like Abraham and like Elijah and like the prophets of old, those who followed the God of Israel, they died in faith. They believed the promises of the Messiah. They knew that they were coming. They, they went to a place called paradise. The place of the righteous dead. Across from paradise, according to the gospel of Luke, was a place, a, a chasm. And it was a place of suffering. It was Hades. It was hell. The, Jesus tells us a story about the rich man and Lazarus. Well, guess what happened? Before Jesus went to heaven, he first took a trip down there. And I can just imagine our Messiah taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Running down the prison cells of death's horrid corridor and saying, How you doing, Abraham? How you doing, Elijah? How you doing, Malachi? How you doing? I know you preached about me, but now it's time to know who I am. And the Bible says he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Jesus took his blood and ascended back to heaven and put it on the mercy seat, the very throne of God. Woo! I'm excited about this today. He led captivity captive. Those who died in faith. And now. Black Friday rolls into silent Saturday. But what those Roman guards didn't know. Was that Sunday morning was coming. Deep beneath the recesses of the earth, something was happening. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake. The Bible says the veil of the temple was rent top to bottom. 
Removing the, se- the separation between man and God. Now Jesus goes down once and for all as a sacrifice. Making his blood the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind. And now Jesus on the third day as the scripture had said. See now it makes sense. Now they start to understand. Jesus made the Pharisees mad when he gave the great sermon on the Mount of Olives. At the Olivet Discourse. Because they were talking about the temple. And Jesus made a statement. He said tear down this temple. And in three days I will build it again And the Bible says Our fathers have taken 40 and 6 years To build this temple And the Bible said they knew not That he spoke of the temple of his own body I'm here to tell you this morning That early on Sunday morning An earthquake shook in Jerusalem that day And that gravestone rolled away And there stood an angel in fine apparel And he said he is not here He's risen Hallelujah. Friends, I'm telling you something. It's an odd feeling when you understand the reality of this. That not only about people say, oh, the Bible is just a book of big stories. Can I tell you that even historians outside of Orthodox Christianity recognized that Jesus of Nazareth was and really did exist. And he really did rise from the dead and he was seen after his crucifixion. Josephus, the the Jewish historian, writes about Jesus of Nazareth. Other people write about Jesus of Nazareth. The world don't know what to do with him. But the truth is, my friend, Jesus resurrected and he's alive forevermore. You see, I've shared with you this morning this simple gospel. We complicate it often. We try to make it more complex than it really is. But the truth is, Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that you can have resurrected life. Friends, I've been through the graveyards of many. People got a rude awakening when the floods of Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, knowing that New Orleans is a lot like Houston, Texas, way below the sea level line and and hot and muggy all the time. Because of that, they have to bury the dead a special way in mausoleums and, and certain things. And when Hurricane Katrina happened, one of the horrific things about that scene was that those, those graves begin to give way and they were literally floating all out in the street. Why am I saying something so horrid today? I'm saying it to paint this picture. You can go to any graveyard today and you will still find the bones of the people whom you left there. But friends, two and a half years ago, I had the privilege to walk the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem and look at the place called Golgotha. I was able to stand in that tomb where Jesus was buried and resurrected and I can tell you something today he's not there even to this day he's alive he is risen and he is victorious you say friends I don't understand that I don't know what to think of that well as I heard one preacher say I don't understand how a brown cow can live in a red barn drink green grass and yellow straw and make white milk but we all believe it come on somebody I'm telling you I'm not asking you to understand it I'm asking you to believe it this morning 
Jesus' death provided salvation for all human history. Think about it. Before you ever knew him. You know, it's funny. People always talk about, well, I found the Lord. He wasn't lost. Adam didn't say, where are you, Lord? The Lord said, Adam, where are you? He wasn't lost. And I'll tell you something. He knows where you are today. The reason why you're here is to show you this morning that Jesus loved you so much that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. The Bible said God demonstrated his love towards us in that this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, oftentimes people say, if I'm just not perfect and I, I just need to get my life together and, and maybe one day if I get my life together, then I'll come to Christ. Friends, I want to ask the question of, of all questions this morning. If you could get it all together, if you could be the best you possibly could be, if you could do all of that, what would be the point of Jesus coming? In fact, the gospel simply says, come as you are. Now the crux to this is that he's so powerful and his grace is so amazing that he will accept you as you are, sin and all, brokenness and all, wickedness and all, perversion and all. But the thing is, though he accepts you as you are, he doesn't leave you as you were. That's the beauty of the gospel, my friend. So for the next few moments, I want you to imagine this. If you were the only person on planet earth, you were stranded alone on a desert island, and there was no other person in all of human existence, Jesus still would have died for you. Why? Because you were created in his image. Friends, can I tell you something? I don't care what the scientists say. I don't care what the biologists say. Monkeys were not made in the image of God. Dogs, although they're man's best friend, they're not people. Man did not evolve from a fish, a frog, a tadpole, or amoeba. In the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Friends, God created humanity for an intimate relationship with Him. And I want to share with each and every one of you today, though your sins may separate you from God, behold, He gives you a remedy. For the Scripture says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, here, here it is this morning in the very simplest fashion in which I can present it to you. Here it is. Man cannot save himself. You see, there's coming a day where each and every one of us will stand before our Savior. We will bow before Him. Some of us before the cross some of them after. Some of us will bow before we die. Some of us after. But make no mistake about it. The Bible says that there's no other name given among men 
whereby we must be saved. But at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. Ready for this? The greatest entrepreneurs, philanthropists, the greatest charitable people of this world, if they don't know Christ, it doesn't matter if they amassed all their wealth to feed the poor or the hungry. If they don't know Jesus, they're lost. The nicest of nice doesn't matter. They're lost. And let me be plain about it this morning. When I say lost, I mean this. When it comes to eternity, each one of us have two options. Heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. Let me tell you something. In this room this morning, there are only two classifications of people. Saved people or lost people. And if you think every person in this room is born again, you have lost your ever-loving mind. Because here's what the Bible says. Narrow is the gate, and few there be that find it. But broad is the way that lead to destruction, and many go in thereat. So today, on this Easter Sunday morning, where we celebrate resurrection power, I set before you a choice. So we get ready to close. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Altar workers, if you would join me across the front this morning. I want to ask everybody in this room a question today. It is the most important question that you will ever answer in the entirety of your life. Do you know Jesus Christ?